The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Good morning, Grace. God is with us. Today is St. Patrick's Day. Keep some green spattered across the congregation. I am Irish, you know. Are the Irish in the house? Raise your hands. All right. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You know, St. Patrick was a real guy. He actually uh, was a slave in Ireland, I understand. Don't know his full story, but when he got freed, he went back to Ireland to preach Christ. But as with so many things, St. Patrick's Day has degenerated to green beer and kiss me and all the other stuff. But it really is all about Jesus Christ. Marilyn Mason, good to see you back in the house. Marilyn had surgery a little while ago. She's back with us. Good to see you. There's someone else I saw. In the back there, so all who are here, just welcome. Good to have you today. My name is Mike Kelly, an Irish name. Husband of Judy Kelly sitting there, and uh, just blessed to be a part of this congregation. And as we continue in our series in the book of Joshua, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Then we'll go into our message today. Our Heavenly Father, God, we declare that we love you. And you're the God of all the earth. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. You created the heavens and the earth and all things therein. And Lord, you're calling us to you. You handed out stress to us saying, come to me. And I'll give you rest. 
those who are broken, those who feel without worth. I've sent my son to give you life. I've sent my son on a rescue mission to save you. Now, Lord God, as we preach your word today, let me diminish, let me decrease that you may increase, Lord God. They may hear you and not me today. Let your spirit fill the sanctuary today, dear God. There's someone here today who may be hurting in their heart, their spirit, their mind, and in other ways, dear God. I just pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for reconciliation and bodies that are hurt and families that are broken and lives that are broken, dear God. For now in our story today, we see how your grace abounded to a woman of ill repute. Your grace and your mercy, Lord, abounded to one who is destined for destruction like so many of us today. So today, Lord God, may a message be preached in power, with love, with conviction, that someone may say, what must I do to be saved today? So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some people today having the benefit of the full canon of Scripture, the 66 books of the gospel, the Bible, the Old Testament, 39 books, the New Covenant, 27 books, have the idea that the Old Testament was all about law and judgment. And the New Testament is all about love, mercy, and grace. The truth is, God has always been about love, mercy, and grace. Amen? And we'll see in our story today, the story of Rahab the harlot in the book of Joshua is a clear example of God's love, mercy, and grace. To a woman of faith living in a land that was destined for destruction, for God's judgment. There is a famous atheist. His name is Richard Dawkins. There's a quote that he has. I don't have the full quote, but he basically he has a book called The God Delusion. And in that book, he calls God a uh, misogynistic, infanticidal, jealous, unforgiving, unjust, petty, control freak, a bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. And what we see today in this story that God is anything but any of that. Amen? If Richard Dawkins has read the Bible, he'd see a different God. He'd see a God of love, a God of forgiveness, a God of grace, whose hand is outstretched to each one of us, telling us that he loves us. So much so he gave his only begotten son to die in our place. That God is the God that I serve. That God is the God that I know, and many of us here know. And that God is the God who extended a hand of grace to Rahab today. Our text for today is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. However, we will begin at verse 1. Let's read together. Now, as we know, 
Joshua was preparing to take the Israelites into the promised land. God had called him. God commissioned him. God equipped him. God exalted him to lead Israel. And in our series today, we've, we've actually covered two messages before. This is our third message in the series. And our first message was entitled, Into the Promised Land, A New Leader. In that message, God called, as I mentioned, commissioned and equipped Joshua to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. In message number two, entitled, Into the Promised Land, The Battle for Eternal Rest. In that message, God commanded Joshua to lead the Israelites into the land, but each tribe, including the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, whose inheritance was on the east side of the Jordan, they already occupied their inheritance, they were called to prepare their mighty men of valor, their army, to join their brethren for battle to conquer the land militarily so that they too may enjoy God's rest. Now, in today's message, there are four keys I want us to see after our text. God uses broken people as one of our first things, but let's go to the text before we go into our, our points. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. You see, Jericho was a strategic point in the conquest of the land. It was a stronghold with walls built around it, a military outpost continuing. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Now before they lay down, verse 8, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. They're scared to death. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord, your God, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. This is 40 years ago, folks. <laughs> this didn't happen yesterday. This happened 40 years ago. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, my people, who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon, King Sihon, and King Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. What a great statement of faith. Verse 12. Now therefore, knowing all this, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord your God, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token, pledge to me, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver us 
Deliver our lives from death. Don't kill us when you come to take the land. There are four points I want to make today in my message. Number one is, God uses broken people to accomplish his purposes. God uses broken people to accomplish his purposes. Is anyone here today broken? Are you broken in your body, in your family, in your finances, in your relationships? Are you broken today? All of us are broken. I'm broken in ways that you wouldn't even know. But I'm saved. I'm grateful. And I have hope. I glory my brokenness. But God can use my brokenness to glorify himself. God uses broken people. This is the first story in the book of Joshua. And instead of being a story of God's wrath on the nation that deserved judgment, the book is really a story of God's mercy and grace. Now, we see that Joshua sent, this, sent two men to spy secretly, saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. Remember, Moses sent 12 spies, and 10 brought back a negative report. But two men brought back a faithful report. Those two men were Joshua and Caleb. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. As we'll see from this story, this was not only a spy mission, it was their rescue mission. Notice three things about Rahab. Number one, Rahab was a harlot. That's a word we don't use nowadays. We're biblically illiterate. If you ask a kid today, what's a harlot? It's like saying, what's the record, right? <laughs> what's a video? We have CDs nowadays. Rahab was a harlot, which means she was a prostitute, a vagabond. We get our word tramp from that word harlot. She was a woman of ill repute. Of all the places that God could have sent these two men to lodge, he sent them to the house of a prostitute. But this was no ordinary prostitute. She'd heard about the God of Israel. It was perhaps natural for strangers passing through Jericho, the land of Israel, to seek lodging. And Rahab's house of ill repute was a logical place to stay. You see, she was probably one of several prostitutes in the land. You see, Jericho was a land ripe for God's judgment. Sexual immorality was rampant in the land. As one of the local prostitutes, she was steeped in her nation's sexual immorality. Number two, Rahab was an Amorite, destined for God's destruction. Richard Dawkins, some like him might say, God is not fair. It's not fair. For you to take the land of the Canaanites away from them and give it to the Jews. It's not fair to take the Palestinian land and give it to the Jews. Not recognizing that Israel occupies only a sliver of the land that God promised her people. But you see, God had given them 
400 years to repent. Should he give them 500? How about 600? But God also gave another 40 years to repent because the Israelites, because of unbelief, wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. So God gave them 440 years to repent. Now, if you see, there's a map on the screen there. Got my little pointy thing here. Now, the Amorites, this is Jericho here. The Amorites are here, the nations of the Amorites. These are the other nations that God will move out. And Gaza is here. And here is Sodom and Gomorrah. This land was destroyed because of its sexual immorality. If you remember, God sent two men to Sodom and Gomorrah on a rescue mission. Lot's family. Do you remember that story? God had decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of its immorality. And the two men that God sent there were angels. And the men were so depraved that they said to, sent to Lot's house, Hey, Lot, two men came to your house tonight. Send them out that we may, sex, that we may have sex with them. Send them out. But Lot said, brothers, don't do this wickedness. Long story short, the angels dragged Lot, his two daughters, and his wife out of the land. Then God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But Lot's wife disobeyed the command. You see, her body was out of Sodom, Sodom but her heart was still there. And she looked back. In disobedience to the command of the angel, don't look back. And she turned to a pillar of salt. Remember the story? God's judgment fell on her instantly. Now, let's go back to Genesis to see why, it's not, why it is fair that God decides to destroy Jericho. Back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7 to 8. Then God said, speaking to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Abraham, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit this land? Verse 13, then God said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. Verse 14, and also the nation whom they serve, which is Egypt, I will judge. Ten plagues, death of the firstborn. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. We know the story. Now, as for you, in verse 15, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, Abraham's descendants, the Israelites. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. It's not fully ripe. Again, the iniquity, the sin, the abominations of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, in this conversation, Abraham and Sarah had no children. Not one child did they have. But God promised him he'd be a father of many nations. And by faith, Abraham believed him. These are some of the abominations 
that the Amorites and the Canaanites practiced in the land which defiled it. I'll just list a few of them. They were engaging in rampant incest. Father with daughter, mother with son, brother with sister. They were engaging in adultery and fornication of all kinds. Now, I got to confess, when I read this, you can find these in the book of Leviticus, chapter 18. I couldn't put these on the screen because they were so vile. I couldn't put them on the screen, but I can read a few to you. Also, you shall not approach a, a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her custom impurity, which means she's having a pyramid. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, a demon god. They were practicing infanticide, which today is pro-choice. Nor shall you profane the name of your Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal, bestiality, to defile yourself with it. Nor shall a woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Brothers and sisters, would you agree that today America has become like Canaan? Would you agree that today America has become like Sodom and Gomorrah? Our nation is under judgment. And if not for the Christians, this nation will be destroyed. If not for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, this nation will be destroyed. But the day is coming when we will be taken out of the world. And it will be destroyed. Planes will fall from the sky. Cars will crash into other cars. Businesses will fail. Economic chaos is coming. Now, in Leviticus, after I read these things, God spoke to Moses saying this. Verse, Leviticus 18, verse 1. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Now these, by the way, are the multitudes that came from Abraham's loins. God honored his word that Abraham would be father of many nations. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do, and according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. As I read them before to you, verse 24, God says, do not defile yourselves with any of these things. For by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment, the judgment of its iniquity upon it. And the land vomits out its inhabitants. By this time, the sin of the Amorites is complete. Now, God was about to show mercy and grace and judgment. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 27. For all these abominations the men of the land have done, 
who are before you, and thus the land is defiled. Verse 28, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it. Now he says, when you defile it. You see, God knows that these people he's chosen would disobey him at some point and turn away from him many, many times. As it vomited out the nations that were before you. Track number two. So Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was an Amorite. Now number three, Rahab was a Gentile. She was not of the covenant people of God. In fact, her nation was destined for destruction, as I've said several times. As a Gentile, she's a non-Jew, a heathen, a pagan. You see, a non-Jew, as I mentioned, not in the covenant people of God. She's a heathen. The word heathen means other nation, nation other than the Jews. And she was a pagan. Pagan could be an atheist. It could also be a religious person, but not of the, the three known religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I would say a pagan is anything but a Christian. <laughs> anything but a Christian. The Jews are a special people, and God will deal with them. Now, point number two. God rewards people of faith. God rewards people of faith. Back to our passage in Joshua chapter 2. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Now, how would he have known this? How would he have known this? I guess the king had spies all across his country. And it may be that when the men came to, came, came to Jericho, there were strangers in the land, but there was something different about them. They dressed differently. They walked differently. They talked differently. So they stood out. As Christians today, let me ask you, do you stand out on your job, in your family, in your community? Do we stand out? These men stood out. So the king said, and they knew where the men went. Where are the men? Verse 4. Then the woman, Rahab, took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. She told a lie. Knew they were Israelites. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She's clever. This is a clever woman. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. It may be that Rahab had already been converted. You see, she was a prostitute. But now she has been known as a dime maker. So somehow, receiving the God of Israel as her God, she turned away from prostitution, but still had a bed and breakfast. <laughs> Verse 8. 
Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, now our topic is God rewards people of faith. I know, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We are scared to death of you because we know we're destined for destruction. We know you're going to do to us what you did to Sihon and Og. For we have heard, verse 10, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We heard by the ear what your God did. Now we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Remember at this time, there were no Bibles. In fact, there was only one copy that Moses wrote at God's command and gave it to Joshua. God gave the first five books of the Bible to Joshua. Continuing. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, my people, who were on the other side of the Jordan, King Sihon and King Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any, any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. That is faith. You see, in order for Rahab to have made that declaration, she had to have made a choice. She decided to follow Jesus. She decided to follow the God of the, of, of, of the Israelites. In doing so, she repudiated her citizenship in Jericho as an Amorite, as a Canaanite. She now aligns herself with the God of Israel. You see, Rahab is an unlikely ally. She was a pagan, a harlot, a Gentile, an Amorite. But she became an unlikely ally. Continuing. So we see God uses broken people to accomplish his purposes. He used Rahab to hire the spies to get the information, to bring it back to Joshua, that the land is ours. He rewards people of faith. You see, because God honored Rahab's faith by promising to save her family, her household. We saw that God rewards people who are obedient to his word. Number three, point number three. God rewards people who are obedient to his word. Joshua verse 12. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a token, a true token, a pledge, and spare my father my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and get this, and deliver our lives from death. Because we know you've come to take the land. And we know we'll be utterly destroyed. Verse 14. So the men answered her, saying, Our lives were yours if none of you tell this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly 
and truly with you. That's verse 17. So the men said to her, we will be blameless, however, of this oath of yours which you have made us swear. Verse 18, unless when we come into the land, you bind this lion of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own house. This, this section here is reminiscent of the last plague that God sent to Egypt to free his people from bondage. If you remember, God commanded Moses to tell the people, get for yourself a lamb, a young lamb. Take it into your house. Let it live with you for a few days. And on a certain day, you're to kill that lamb. Let the blood run out into a basin. Cook the lamb. Eat all of it. But take the blood with some hyssop and put it over the doorpost. And when the death angel comes to kill the firstborn in Egypt, your house will be saved. Your first one will not die. But if when the death angel comes, someone in your household, the firstborn is not in the, in the house, covered by the blood, they will die, though they're Israelites. So you must be covered by the blood to be saved. Amen? You must be covered by the blood of the Lamb to be saved. Hallelujah. Verse 19. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless, because we have warned you, we have told you, and whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free, of, be free from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said, According to your word, so be it. I remember what Mary said to the angel when he came to her to say, you're going to have a son. She said, let it be according to you. Let it be your mission according to your word. She says, like Mary said these words, according to your word, so be it. I trust you. I believe you. I trust your God that we'll live and not die. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. She immediately bound the scarlet cord in the window. The gospel is being preached today. You've heard the message of salvation. You've not yet put the scarlet cord on your life, the blood of Jesus Christ. I beg you to do that today because tomorrow is not promised. Amen? So she bound the scarlet cord in the window. I should read a poem here for you. I have it right here. Hold on. Let's skip it. Skip that poem. Then the Lord, then she said, they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So we see that God uses broken people. God rewards people of faith. 
Are we wants people who are obedient to his word? Now, point number four. God's grace and mercy are available to all people who put their faith and trust in him. Amen? God's grace and mercy is available. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. Now, Jesus, having been crucified and raised on the third day, as he said, came to them. He was about to go back to heaven from where he came. He said to them, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Salvation is available to all nations, all false religions, all pagans, all who are doomed for destruction. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things, my words, that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9. You see, God does not want anyone to perish. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter how sinful you think you are. It doesn't matter how lost you think you are. God does not want you to perish. That's why he sent his son to die in our place. Amen? Here's what Peter One of Jesus' inner circle said, The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promise. You see, God gave the Amorites 440 years. He's given us 2,000 years and counting. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, me, that whoever believes in him, me, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus speaking still in John 14, 6. Well, what is this? How, how, how can one be saved? How can one avoid destruction? How can one avoid an eternity in hell? Suffering forever. Jesus said in John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, you can't get to be saved. You can't get to heaven by being a good person. You can't get to heaven by being religious. You can't get to heaven by going to church every Sunday. You can't get to heaven because you never murder anyone. Or throwing anything. Or lie. Can't get to by being by being a good person. Jesus says, "There's none. There's none good but God. 
is the only good, the only best, the only righteous. Now, how did things turn out for Rahab? The heroine of our story today. How did things turn out for her? You see, there are four things we know about Rahab in the end. Rahab is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? The Messiah, the Savior of the world, this woman of ill repute was an ancestor, a grandmother of Jesus. Hallelujah. Grace abounded. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, and we'll see it right here. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the genealogy, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now, point right there, Tamar. You see, this woman Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Tamar married two of Judah's sons, and they both died. So Judah thought, hey, this woman's a black widow. <laughs> I'm not giving my third son to her. <laughs> so he went to a place, and Tamar pretended to be a prostitute. She covered herself. She disguised herself, and Judah went into her, and she conceived and bore these two boys. And she's in the lineage, the ancestry of Jesus Christ, Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. You see, Salmon was in the land of, of Israel, across the Jordan, get ready to come over. When he went over, he met Rahab. You see, rabbinic, rabbinic tradition shows that Rahab was one of the four most beautiful women in the world. I'm not sure how they figured that before the internet. I'll go invent the internet. I'm not sure how they figured that out, but four. I'll just take them at their word. So Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. So Rahab, we see, is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Grace and mercy. Number two, Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. Isn't that awesome? A woman of real repute became the mother of kings and prophets. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth, a Moabitess. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. Hallelujah. So we see how it turned out for Rahab. A woman of grace and faith. Now, number three. Rahab is the ancestor of eight prophets of Israel. I know of one of Jeremiah. Rahab is Jeremiah's grandmother. I'm not sure who the other seven are. But Jeremiah is one of the eight prophets of, who are grandsons of Rahab. Number four. Rahab is in the faith hall of fame. Hallelujah. A Canaanite, an Amorite, destined for destruction, wound up in the Hall of Fame. Rahab, an unlikely ally, was grafted into the nation of Israel. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 and 31. Paul speaking, I believe. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down 
after they were encircled by, for seven days. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. You see, Rahab believed in the God of Israel, and she was spared, and she lived. Are you here today and have heard the gospel and have not believed? You see, when we look at the Bible and we see the nation of Israel, how God dealt with them, and that nation stands today as a testament to the fact that there is a God. And Rahab said, your God is God in heaven above and earth beneath. And that God is the Savior of the world that he made. His hand is outstretched to you today saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll save you. I want you to be with me for, for eternity and a paradise that was lost by disobedience. Finally, James says in chapter 2, verse 24, you see then, speaking of Abraham, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. You see, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers, the spies, and sent them out another way safely? You see, Rahab heard about the God of Israel, believed the God of Israel, and acted in faith. She was an unlikely ally. She became a hero of faith. You see, people, it's all about faith. It's all about faith in Jesus, not faith in ourselves, not faith in religion, in our goodness. It's all about Jesus, whom God sent to be Savior of the world. In fact, I did find that poem. It's right here. I'm going to read it for you. I'm going to read two poems to you. You may be here today. You made a mess of your life. Maybe here today, and you have no hope for tomorrow. Your family may be falling apart. Your finances in tatters. Your health may be in decline. You may have messed up. You don't see a way out. Hallelujah. Here's a poem written by a teacher. We don't know her name. It says, um, he came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new one, a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I was spoiled this one. I took his sheet all soiled and blotted and gave him a new one all unspotted. And into his tired heart I cried, do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, dear master? I was spoiled this one. He took my day all soiled and blotted and gave me a new one all unspotted. And into my tired heart he cried, do better now, my child. That is the God that we serve. He is just. He is merciful. He's 
full of grace. Let's close in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word that informs us. Tell us about you, about your love, about your mercy, about your grace. We thank you for the message today, Lord. I pray that someone heard the word, someone who is suffering today, Lord, who needs some hope. I pray that your word would find a ready, fertile heart, Lord, for them. And I pray that that life would be transformed and become a trophy of your grace. Lord, thank you for our church family, Lord. There are many needs in our family today, Lord. Thank you for those who stepped up to help get under the load. Bless every household today, I pray, my God. Every individual, bless every family, first of all, with your salvation, your great salvation, but also for for needs, for financial, for health, for strength, for peace, for harmony, for love. Now, Lord, as we go to our various homes, we ask you to take us to our home safely. Keep us, Lord. Allow us to get into your word, hunger for more of you, the thirst for more of you, more of your word. May we be a blessing, Lord, in a land that's becoming increasingly dark. May we be a light, Lord, and salt in a land that's turning away from you. May we, Lord, be a remnant in a land destined for destruction. May we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, perfect strangers to whom you send us on divine appointment. Be glorified, my Lord, in all this. Bring about revival in our church and in our land, I pray. Jesus Christ, you are the answer. You are the only answer. You are the only way. I pray that you'll have your way with us today in this coming week. In your name I pray, amen.